Hello, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. My guest Hi. today is Cristina Oltano. Uh, Cristina, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, hi guys, I'm Cristina. I'm originally from Romania and um, I study medicine in Germany. So I came to Germany six years ago, but um, my skincare journey began, began way earlier, way before med school, because I've struggled with some serious uh, skin conditions myself. Uh, I've had a bad, bad uh, um, hand eczema as a child and pretty uh, bad acne as a teenager. So as you can imagine, I've uh, seen a lot of dermatologists, but uh, these uh, dermatologist visits were not always um, um, the best thing for me because I've tried a lot of topicals, a lot of creams, lotions, and that kind of stuff, but not always with the best results. Uh, so yeah, that, that was kind of the point when I've decided to take this um, things seriously and to take matters into my own hands. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, skincare and skin health and the relationship between skin health and um, our lifestyles become, became really a passion for myself, um, for me. And um, yeah, uh, that when, when it all, that's when it all started. It was kind of like uh, five years ago. Um, so yeah that's kind of my background story and you and you are right now basically in, in medical school for in in order to become a dermatologist right uh yeah right i mean i i'm working the dermatology world uh, right now and um i've i will become officially a doctor in three months um oh, <laughs> right thank you and um right so uh, so my, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, my passion for skincare became even bigger during med school because it is during med school when I realized how many people struggle with skin conditions. I mean, yeah. I guess it's like one in three to four uh, people uh, that are affected by skin conditions at any given time. So I mean, I mean that's that's pretty big, right? Yes, and normally the skin conditions that you see, what are the uh, underlying conditions that cause the skin conditions, or you know, mm -hmm. how, what yeah. do you see normally? Well, I guess inflammation is kind of the root of almost all skin conditions we see, almost all chronic skin conditions at least. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and so, inflammation, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so inflammation, uh, maybe you can get in, into a little bit what inflammation is, how is it created and why should we care about it? Because, you know, let's say I don't have any skin issues per se. Let's say I'm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a person in my 40s and my skin obviously is aging I it doesn't look like it looked in my 20s but it's not like I have eczema or, or something then why should I care about inflammation well I, I do believe that um, this appearance of our skin indicates what is going inside and I mean if you are 
aging prematurely, for example, that is for me an indicator that there is some inflammation somewhere in the body too, and not only in your skin. So yeah, inflammation has a lot to do with lifestyle. This means diet, stress and sleep. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty compelling because we see um, an increase in incidence, in acne incidence in westernized societies. And mm -hmm. at the same time, there is no such thing as acne in non-westernized populations. So wow. I, I'm... I have an idea. I actually yeah. didn't know that. So yeah. that's very interesting. And what do you attribute it to? The fact that it is a Western phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, these people in in this non-Westernized uh, these non-Westernized populations, they do not have access to uh, diets that are high uh, in are high glycemic index diets. This means diets high in refined carbohydrates, sugars, and very uh, processed foods like I don't know candy bars, your crackers protein bars, I mean, all that stuff that we all know is not good for your overall health. Uh, that stuff is not good for your skin as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good thing to consider that, that our skin is another organ in our body. It's actually our larger, largest organ that we have in our body. And, yeah. and if we treat it like an organ, I think it would make more sense to the uh, average person it would make more sense. Why should I keep my my overall health and maintain my overall health mm. if all I care about in this world is the the way my skin looks? Because you do meet a lot of people, you know, in their forties that you know smoke a cigarette here or there or eat you know the wrong kind of stuff. And when you get into a, a small conversation with them and ask them what they think about their aging of the skin they give you an answer a little bit like a silver bullet answer they give you an answer oh you know in, when i'm 50 or when i'm 60 i'm going to have a facelift or i'm going to do a bunch of procedures and i'm going to press the proverbial reset on my on my system and uh, this is obviously not the right approach but i am curious to hear why you would think it is not the right approach and what is the right approach if i am right now okay let's start with that and, and we'll continue but <laughs> why do you think it's the wrong approach and what is the right approach yeah i mean of course you can do a facelift or you can have a facelift done with 50 but like i said i mean diet and lifestyle a good lifestyle a healthy lifestyle does not affect only your skin but also your internal organs so I mean, you, you do not see that, but uh, yeah, those those effects are there and are there to stay. Yes. So I, I guess you, you are doing yourself a favor by, by choosing this approach because your overall health is benefiting from it as well as your skin health. And I mean, there, I, I, you cannot treat your whole body when you are 50, right? I mean, maybe you can do a facelift, but what about the rest of your skin? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So what would you say? You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln said a, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. 
I love this sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, I, it's something new, new for me. Yeah, yes. but, but I mean, that's, that's totally right. That's the right approach in skincare and in dermatology. So if you, if you could, um, if, you, if you took, uh, you know, someone who is a teenager, a teenager is a little mm -hmm. challenging, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. very subjective. But let's talk about someone who is 25 and has started to hear about the fact that they are producing less collagen right now or that their NAD is declining. We can talk about NAD or, you know, that they feel, they know they're not 18 anymore, right? In different cultures, like Eastern European cultures, you know, you're considered even like old if you're not married in that stage. So <laughs> let's, talk that, yeah. let's, let's talk about this 25 year old that is, is, seeing the starting of the aging process and saying, you know what? I wanna have that ounce of prevention. What is my, what, how does my routine look like? What should I do? Yep, great question, thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I'm a big fan of keeping um, things simple at first. I mean, when, when we are 25, you do not need 20 products or 30 products or a 12 step Korean skincare routine. As, I, mean, I mean, that's a little bit too much for my taste. So I would say, keep it simple and stick to the basics. And my favorites are uh, the retinoids, the antioxidants and the sunscreens. I mean, if you get those three right, you, you are, I mean, you are good to go for a long time and you will prevent aging as well as inflammatory skin conditions like acne, rosacea, in yeah eczema and that kind of stuff and as far as so let's go one by one as far as um let's say about you you did mention korean skincare and right now i have no idea why double cleansing is uh so popular mm. it's crazy to me this is this is as old as skincare itself the fact that you remove your makeup and then clean your face but but somehow it <laughs> it became the Korean, yeah. uh, Korean beauty uh, 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 staple. So Crazy. Let's, let's talk about, first of all, a 25-year-old as opposed to someone that is older. Is there a difference in how they clean their face? Well, I mean, of course, if you wear makeup, you have to take that off in the evening and uh, you have to be sure that you are you are moving all that makeup because it it will clog your pores uh, mm -hmm. during the night. So you want to get that right. Um, and uh, you hit home with a clean cleansing and with a double cleansing because, I mean, if you have um, oily skin and you're putting all that oil in your skin, I mean, it's probably not the best uh, thing to double cleanse and or to use um, an oil cleanser. But mm -hmm. if you are more on the drier side, you, you are okay and you're fine with uh, the double cleansing. Um, and okay. yeah, um, back to your question. I mean, the most important thing is, no I mean, if you are 25 or if you are 50, you have to be sure that you get all that makeup off and that you, you cleanse your skin the right way. And I would say, yeah, if you are 25 and your, your skin is kind of oilier, uh, you could use um, a cleanser with a little bit of salicylic acid or a glycolic acid. And if, if you are on the, 
older side or a wiser side, uh, I would suggest that you use a more a gentler cleanser because, I mean, we, we lose a lot of um, hyaluronic acid, a lot of ceramides uh, with time. So I, it wouldn't be so harsh um, if, okay. if your skin is a little bit older, yeah. And now we cleansed our skin. The next step you would say would be retinoids? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, you can start. Could you, could you explain what retinoids are and uh, why they're important? Yeah, so retinoids, I mean, this is a very big family of uh, vitamin A derivatives, and um, you can get them over the counter. Um, they are, are known, as, um, known as retinols, and you can get um, also a prescription uh, retinoid. They are called retinoids. And um, yeah, they, they are very, very important because they are very well researched. And I think they are one of the best molecules out there for, um, for their anti-aging effects. So we do not have something right now, I guess that's much better than retinoids or retinol. And they work uh, in our skins at a genetic level. So they really modify your genes. And um, that, uh, that leads to um, an increased, increased cell turnover. Uh, they reduce inflammation and they slow down collagen breakdown. And uh -huh. yeah, I mean, this really prevents and treats UV uh, photo damage, like fine lines, wrinkles, those dark spots or sunspots. And um, they are also the go-to medication for, for acne treatments. So, I mean, this is a big package of benefits. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, reading a study about um, supplementing on vitamin A to an extent, to to crazy extent, in order to to uh, to um, reduce acne. But I don't want to actually mention it too much because it's so controversial that I feel like uh, mm. you know we would do a disservice. Yeah, yeah I mean uh, there is there's some misinformation out there, I guess, because. Just take by taking vitamin A. I I mean this could I mean it could work for your acne or it, it could improve your acne, but it it is also kind of um, kind of a red zone or red flag for me because vitamin A is a fat soluble vitamin, and uh, it remains in your body for a long time, in in your liver too. I mean in your fat and in your liver, and. Um, yeah, when you have too much of this fat, you can also get some some serious issues with it, like uh, hair loss and brittle nails or uh, okay. very dry skin. And I, I mean, you you can you can use um, Accutane that is also a vitamin A derivative. Uh, That's a prescription medication from your dermatologist, but uh, it does not work the same. It a it's it is a little bit modified. And it, no, it does not work exactly the same way vitamin A works. And Understood. I mean, that's safe, but um, vitamin E taken alone at home as a supplement, I, I would not recommend that to anyone. Understood. How, okay, so let's get back to topical um, uh, vitamin A's or retinoids or vitamin A derivatives. Um, one of the things that uh, you see a lot of people talking about 
is dosage and also the occurrence. So how many times a week someone should use it. Let's assume someone does not go to their uh, provider. They, they want to buy it over the counter. Obviously we sell a type of uh, retinol. Mm -hmm. So they obviously can buy it from us, but let's talk about in general, someone wants to start using uh, retinol as part of their routine. How should they start? Are different types of skin reacting differently to uh, retinoids? What would you say about that? Yeah, um, so of course, um, I would suggest you start with a low concentra concentration of retinol. If you want to start with a retinol over the counter, I would suggest you start with a um, 0.1% retinol and that you use it um, once per week, first the first two weeks. And if you can tolerate it perfectly, I mean, if you don't get any redness, any flakiness of the skin, any skin irritation, then you can increase um, the frequency of use. You could use it uh, for, I mean, two, two times uh, per week, the next week. And you can increase the frequency every two, uh, two weeks until you can use that low concentration that you start you've started with um, for three every night, and you could do that for three months. And after three months, you you could change uh, the concentration. You could um, upgrade the your retinol. I mean, if you you've started with uh, zero point one percent, you could go to 0.3% after that and so on. And you repeat the steps um, I've mentioned. How about the skin around the eyes or any other type of skin? Is there a skin, maybe upper lip? Is there a skin that maybe you should, you should be more cautious as far as retinoids? Yeah, um, especially if you have um, dry, I mean, that's true for everyone, actually, because the skin around the eyes is very thin and very um, kind of reactive to, to these actives that's, that are very strong. So I would suggest you use a formulation that is more gentle around the eyes. Um, and uh, especially if you have dry skin, I would suggest you avoid uh, not nasolabial folds because that area also tends to, to be very irritated by retinoids and retinols. Okay. Yeah, so uh, another thing I would like to mention is um, there are people out there who cannot tolerate any type of retinol or retinoids. So, I mean, they could use, I have good news for them because we... We we have um, bakuchiol right now. Uh, it's kind of also it's kind of a trend also, but um, there are some studies that suggest that bakuchiol has the same effects uh, on the skin as retinol, but without the side effects of it. So mm -hmm. that's that's great news for anyone who who has very sensitive skin. Okay. Yeah. And of course, when we talk about something that makes the skin sensitive. The next question, and it's something you've already mentioned, is sun exposure and protection. So you mentioned SPFs. The first question I would like to, uh, let's, let's go over the things that, that everyone should know. Is SPF 
uh, needed only when I go outside and there is bright sunlight directly on me? Let's start with the most simple question. Uh, no, uh, you need um, SPF inside too, uh, because we know now that visible light and blue light is also affecting your genes and leads to aging of the skin over time. So this, uh, I mean, you won't get a sunburn from your blue light from your laptop or iPhone uh, or something like that, uh, or skin cancer, but um, this kind of life, light affects our genes and uh, it has a cumulative effect over time in aging our skin. Mm -hmm. So you so need sunscreen every day if you are inside or outside, if it's rainy or uh, cloudy, it's, <laughs> that, that okay. doesn't matter, yeah. How about, how about if it's nighttime? Yeah, let's say you're going to a party. Mm -hmm. uh, would, you wear, would you wear sunscreen? Well, I mean, if, if, you have, if you want to be extra cautious, then you could. I mean, that's nothing that that's, that's says, well, you cannot do that. Because like I said, the blue light that is coming from our devices is really aging our skin. That's um, okay. a new data. But I mean, you, you, you don't necessarily have to wear it uh, at night. So also not when you're going uh, uh, to, to bed. Yeah. Okay. How about there is, there is a lot of debate and we are, we have been looking at creating uh, sunscreens for a while now. And a lot of doctors are against what is called chemical SPF and are recommending either zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. What is your take about it as far as health? Maybe you, you could also explain mm -hmm. why some doctors don't recommend uh, chemical SPFs. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I, I think there are some studies there uh, that were done on mice uh, that indicate that these chemicals, chemicals, right, that we we uh, use in chemical sunscreens are detected in are detected in our blood and that they are kind of um, endocrine disruptors and that they could lead to uh, cancer. Uh, but this, I mean, we have to be honest, um, these mice are injected with tons and tons of, uh, of chemicals. So these dosage, dosages are not, uh, not even close to what we're putting on our skins and to mm -hmm. what was detected in the human blood. So if, mm -hmm. if I use a chemical sunscreen right now, you could Yes, you can detect those chemicals in my blood, but that does not mean that I will get cancer or I, I, I will get some endocrine problems. Um, this, okay. I mean, our bodies are made, uh, are constructed in a way that uh, can eliminate these uh, chemicals. So wh what, yeah. uh, what do you think about it? I think that... I have a problem with, with uh, rodent studies and skincare in general, okay? Mm. There is the, uh, the, the, uh, anything from metabolism to the way that rodents deal with, with toxins are not 
equal, equal to humans. Therefore, when you translate dosages, you're meeting a lot of meeting a lot of things on the way that you need to speculate. Exactly like what you've just mentioned, which is okay, we have a very small amount of that molecule circulating in the blood. We know when that molecule is present, more mites are getting, uh, are, 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 or, or there is an inclination for cancerous tumors. Now the question is, you've, you've made these mice that are normally nocturnal actually you know, run around during the day, which is a, an amazing stressor. And that is, that is by the way, that is a, a big problem with any rodent study in my eyes. Um, because you operate a lab during daytime, so that these yeah. mice who are normally used to used to living at night are now operating out of their circadian or, or out of their natural circadian rhythm, and that, as you've mentioned before, sleep and circadian rhythm is a huge factor in 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 our body's ability to uh, manage uh, tumor uh, tumor growth, etc. So. Yeah, I, I do have a problem with anything that 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 would that that would show uh, cancerous activity. But again, as far as SPFs go, I feel like uh, the science is not there. I don't think there there has been enough studies, especially not human studies. And there is no there is no great incentive uh, to conduct human studies because there are no no patents around it. So that is a very big challenge. As far as as far as uh, zinc oxide. I think the main problem is that it's like um, it's like uh, ride-sharing apps before Uber, right? It's not that it's not a good idea. It's just that it is very complicated. Um, you normally nano-size it. It feels like bad makeup normally on the skin. Um, it's not yeah. true that it's completely invisible. Normally, you need to incorporate a tint uh, mm. with it, which would drive away um, some of the male population. So we have we have some issues there. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean you can target uh, people with uh, melasma or with yeah. uh, hyperpigmentation because tinted sun. I mean this has been shown that uh, tinted sunscreens are um, are protecting people with melasma much better and are kind of preventing uh, this pigment formation in the skin. So, yeah. I mean yeah yeah that could be. So what what okay so so you know. I think someone, if they can, if they can stand it, and may, maybe we we can uh, recommend some brands because you would know much better, much better than I. Um, if someone can stand zinc oxide um, uh, sunblocks, I think it's a good idea. Uh, there's because there there's nothing showing that it's a bad idea. Uh, so right. as far as that is concerned, but. You know, let's move on. So you said you said retinoid sunscreens. What else would be for you like a big game changer or something that a, that a, a a skincare 101, someone who's starting, what else should they they have on their in the on their countertop? Yeah, um, antioxidants. I okay. mean, I I love them, and the science behind them makes sense for for me because just just think let's just talk a little bit about it i mean as we are out and about uh, we're busy with our daily lives we uh, there are a lot of external factors like uv uh, radiation pollution and also internal factors like meta metabolism activation and oxidation processes that 
hap just happen in our bodies. And both these external and internal factors lead to, to the buildup of um, free radicals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so these uh, free radicals um, damage our skin's collagen. And mm -hmm. what we want to do with antioxidants is we want to combat these um, free radicals. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So we, uh, again, we, we'll talk about uh, uh, free radicals. I think, I think free radicals are, are, are super interesting. Also because it's already, a, it's already a, a, a common phrase, right? Free radicals. But not a lot of people know that there are different types of ox oxidative stress or, or uh, oxygen species, mm -hmm. right? Um, right? So that's number one. And then what is confusing or when you, when you understand that there are different ones, you kind of scratch your head and, and, and say, I wonder if I'm using the right one and how would I know if I'm not using the right one? Yeah, well, um, my favorites are, I mean, there are a lot of antioxidants out there, um, but not all of them are, are backed by research. Uh, so uh, we, we know now that vitamin C is um, very, very well researched, but the problem with vitamin C is the formulation. It's mm -hmm. very hard to, to have a stable product at the end and also an effective pro product in the end. Um, Another um, um, antioxidant that I love is um, vitamin E that works great with vitamin C. Uh, ferulic acid is also a great companion there. So that those three together are really working very well. And mm -hmm. um, resveratrol is also a big one. So I've seen you, you use uh, resveratrol in your products, right? Yes, we use, so resveratrol is, a polyphenols of for that for that matter will will lump it in with with antioxidants mm -hmm. and um, the I'll, I'll, we also have a vitamin C product that that is right now sold through uh, dermatologists but okay. but we do we are obsessed with resveratrol and the the main reason is because it is so versatile. The resveratrol, aside from its antioxidant and anti-inflammatory uh, properties, it is also a, a, an activator of the sirtuin genes, which are the genes that are for, for to save us some time, we're gonna call them the anti-aging genes, right? Because you've, you've spoken before about the damage that blue light and UV damage can do to our genetic makeup. And what does it what does it mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it very shortly just so we can go over it. Any cell in our body has the recipe of how to how to create a full human being, right? It's like uh, when they cloned the sheep dolly, they've taken <laughs> one thing and they've made a full animal, and that's a good way to understand it. And the way that our skin cell knows to be a skin cell, or our heart cell knows that it needs to be a heart cell is by shutting off different parts of our DNA that are responsible for different processes. And what happens, and by the way, there, some of it, the DNA methylation, some of it happens already in the womb. Um, some 
some of that uh, damage to our DNA, what it does, it actually kind of scrambles it up a little bit or makes that CD of information scratched. And then the cell can have the wrong parts of the DNA turned on and vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, there are there is a group, there are a group of genes that are responsible to maintaining that damage and to reverse it. And the one big family of them are called sirtuins. And with age, unfortunately, they are not as effective. And resveratrol has been shown to encourage their activity. And um, another molecule that we use that, that we can talk about later is NAD, and that's the food that they require and they require it to even begin their activity. And that is why we couple it with resveratrol. But yeah, that is, that is why we use that molecule. What we have that noticed- That is smart. Way, yes. What we have noticed, by the way, is that resveratrol on, on its own needs specific enzymes to be, mm. to, to be uptaken by the skin or our body in general, and they are not present in the skin. And the way that we okay. assist the skin is by our, the, the, the resveratrol that we use that is patented is fermented resveratrol. Mm, so okay. in the fermentation process, we are helping the skin with the breakdown of resveratrol. And mm. in internal studies, you're looking at about 50 times the efficacy of resveratrol. Uh, yeah, so this is why we use it. Um, so. Again, let's let's talk about antioxidant in general. Would you say some something uh, that do you recommend one and not the other at an earlier age, and then in a later age maybe another one, or do you think that is something that should be consistent always? Yeah, well, I mean it depends a little bit on the formulation too. Um, when you are younger, I would say you might want to use a more like a water-based um, product because it's like absorbing very well and uh, yeah you don't have that residue from an oil-based product and I, I mean if you are a little bit um, on the older wiser uh, <laughs> side <laughs> you could uh, you could opt for an oil-based product and um like I said, like I mentioned, I, I love this combination of vitamin C, vitamin E and ferulic acid. And I do mm-hmm. believe, um, I mean, we have a lot of experience with that stuff. And I, I do believe that kind of anyone could uh, benefit from, from using an antioxidant in their skincare routine. I got it. So yeah, 100%. So now we were talking about this uh, hypothetical 25-year-old Let's say this 25-year-old magically has, has matured by 10, 15 years. Um, what is, how does the skincare routine look different now? And you can pick an age, by the way. So when would you say that, this, that the skincare routine changes? Yeah, well, um, around 40, 50, I mean, especially for women, let's say, um, around the time uh, you you have you have your menopause or around the menopause time you you definitely will see a change in your skin um, many women um, uh, told um, told us in the clinic or 
report that they have uh, dry skin uh, mm -hmm. or drier skin than before. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's the time when you really, really want to bring those uh, hyaluronic acids, um, ceramides, and also the humectants, the big guys, the glycerin, the panthenol, um, and kind of everything that is reducing that uh, transepidermal water loss. Okay, so um, the, I have a question about hyaluronic acid. So hyaluronic acid is that molecule that our body uses in order to make, to, to, to keep moisture and, you know, the big, the big um, elevator pitch about uh, the one minute pitch about hyaluronic acid that it can contain a thousand times its weight in molecular weight in moisture. So it can kind of hold on to a lot of moisture. Um, and that is why it's, it's, it has been very popular. My question is, uh, there, is some, there are some studies looking at the fact that it draws moisture also from the deeper layers of the skin and might mm. long-term not be so positive. So my question yeah. is, what are you seeing with that? Yeah, I mean, that, that is totally right because you, you, you all have to understand hyaluronic acid is a sugar that binds water. So when you apply it to your skin and there is no water on the surface of the skin, what happens is that, I mean, this molecule knows, okay, I need water. I need to bind water right now. So what happens is it, it draws water out of your deeper skin layers just to bind its water, yeah? I mean, it wants water. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's a big, big problem because I mean, many people do not know this fact. So the solution to that is um, to apply this uh, hyaluronic acids to damp skin or mm -hmm. to end, end actually to, to use a humidifier in your, in your um, bedroom, especially in, in during the winter months. So uh, okay. we, we use a lot of dry, uh, a lot of heat here in Germany because it's, it is very cold, I guess in New York too. So yeah, that, that is the solution to this problem. So these studies very are definitely uh, true. And this is, um, this is um, true for all humectants um, like glycerin, um, panthenol, and of course hyaluronic acids because they all need water to work and they all bind water. So if there is no water on the skin surface, they will draw water out of your deeper, deeper skin layers out. So you're saying you should apply it to damp skin, to skin that has some water on it. Yeah, yeah. Very that's interesting. Right. That's, that's actually very interesting. So um, let's, when we do talk about, um, you know, people in their 40s, in their 50s, now, we are seeing more specific problems, right? We're seeing people that their skin has changed in specific ways. Not everyone is the same. So um, as far as people that are concerned with lines, wrinkles, um, as obviously there are injectables that they can, that they can, mm -hmm. uh, that they can do and, and, and will improve that situation. But as far as skincare, we, we've spoken about retinoids already but are there other things that you see that work in, in later ages for, you know, frown lines, um, you know, smile lines, etc.? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um, we have a few studies about peptides right now, but they are not 
not there yet, right? I mean, they do not have the same effect that uh, retinoids or retinols have on the skin, but they are prom promising, especially copper peptide is uh, pretty well researched and um, it, is, it is a promising ingredient. Would you say, would you say the main uh, copper peptide is GHKCU or which one would you say people should be kind of looking for? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that is kind of um, confusing, I guess, for people, because there are a lot of brands do not uh, mention exactly what kind of peptides they do use. And sure. um, I mean, I guess the only way to know exactly for sure is to really look for a copper peptide on the ingredient list or to, to email the, the brand in question. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, you, you like the ordinary, right? The brand, the ordinary. Yeah, yeah, right. Their uh, kind of higher end line that's called Niod. They have, mm. I've heard, a very, very nice copper peptide uh, product. Oh, boy, I have to check that out. Yes, <laughs> uh, check it out. We're working on it again. It's going to take a while because the science is not there. We're waiting for a few studies to publish. Um, because for what we're seeing right now, peptides are very effective, uh, or you see when peptides are effective, uh, it's normally through injections. That's what, that's what we're, we're mm -hmm. seeing in general. And um, topical peptides, again, they're not, they, we don't see as much uh, effect. What we do, do use is a Matrixel 3000 which is from the mm, family yeah. of peptides that are, that are um, you know, they're, uh, people call them mini Botox. I think it's a little right, bit of right. Or Botox in a bottle, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit of an exaggeration that started with uh, this, the Spanish company that made Argerelin. Um, they kind of made these claims, but, but really what they are are little codes, right? That the body writes, it's mm. like a computer code that the body writes and, and asks specific things. So um, we are using a peptide that is, that is also increasing a little bit collagen production and slowing yeah. down a little bit the signals from the brain to the, uh, to the muscles and therefore does create some relaxation of the, uh, of the wrinkles. So as far as uh, peptides, are these the peptides that you're looking at? Or is there something that we're missing there, a new peptide that you know of or anything like that? No, I mean, those, uh, those two that we've uh, discussed about, uh, they, are, they are, I think, the only peptides that are really backed by research. Uh, and all the other peptides are kind of um, uh, questionable, I would say, yeah. Yeah, I'm and, actually, I've actually, so there is a, um, there is a Romanian, uh, I think, I'm not gonna name her, just so, you know, there is a Romanian OBGYN um, here uh, in, in, around us that is inje offering injections, facial injections of a peptide called BPC-157, which is hilarious to me because this is a peptide you should be using, at least cyclists use it two to three times a day uh, mm. for different, for different uh, recovery um, properties. And these are not very well researched. 
and its collagen okay. promotion uh, is even less researched. So doing an injection once in a while, I don't feel is a, is a very effective way of uh, increasing collagen, but it's, it's there. I mean, like peptides are, are a big issue right now in the United States. The, the, the benefits for us as a manufacturer is that peptides can, most of them cannot be patented because the body, mm, okay. Interesting. it is a derivative, it is a derivative of, a, of a natural molecule that is in the body, yeah. they cannot be patented. And what we're seeing right now with big pharma is a push to outlaw uh, peptides mm. and the creation of pro-peptides. Okay. Compounds who are, pro yeah. who are encouraging the production of peptides. So uh, le let's enjoy them while we can, but that's why part of the, re the reason the research is not very, you know, uh, very uh, quick because there isn't a lot of um, incentive to research peptides again because they cannot be patented to, for the most part. Um, mm, so they're not so interesting um, exactly. for these yeah, big exactly. companies. Yeah. Exactly. Some peptides like argyrelin, which is a part of mm -hmm. these peptides that we talked about that, that slow the uh, signal from the brain to the muscles, they can be patented because they are, they're, 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 they're snippets of a peptide, mm, but yeah. uh, again, they're there not are, as, go ahead. Yeah, there are, I guess, three or four um, amino acids um, binded uh, together, right? Yes. Or yes. are they bigger? Yes. I guess, I, I mean, they're not bigger than I that. Think argyrelin, I think argyrelin, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I think argyrelin is 15. 15, amino okay. Acid. I know SNAP8, which is yeah. another one of those is eight. But um, okay, I think I think yeah. fifteen. But but it is a small. It is a short short yeah. uh, chain anyway, um, yeah. which it, this is what allows it to go in, to go into the skin. That is the whole right. premise of, of topical peptides that they are small and they yeah. can absorb into the skin. Um, so this is kind of the realm of of, of wrinkles, right? Um, as far as uh, people who have other issues such as pigmentation or dullness um, or rougher skin, what would be the molecules for them to look out for? Well, I love, I love, I really love <laughs> acylic acid. Um, it's a truly, truly a multitasker. So you can use it for hyperpigmentation pigmentation, all kinds of hyperpigmentation from sunspots to melasma to, I don't know, dark, some dark spots for, for, to um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And uh, they also have a little bit of an anti-aging effect and they mm -hmm. also exfoliate your skin very, very gently. So it's also kind of an all-in-one ingredient and it's also um, actually very well tolerated by, by all skin types. So that's one of my favorite uh, ingredients right now. Okay, acetylic acid. Yeah, right. Very interesting. Okay, what else? So, so we've mentioned vitamin yeah. C, right? Is there a specific concentration of vitamin C that you would, that you would recommend? Um, again, and could you please, actually, let's circle back to the fact to, to formulation because there is a challenge. We have our skin barrier 
it's not even about you know how well it it, it survived in in the jar and God knows where that jar has been in temperatures mm-hmm. etc but now it arrived in to your house and you even put it in the fridge okay for that matter um, <laughs> right know, because that's a big trend right now yes right. it is that's that's actually a very interesting trend where uh, you know 10 years ago you were afraid to to put out a product which you said you know that you, you got a refrigerated uh, to now where you you make refrigerated specifically for product <laughs> to me hilarious but good on yeah. anyone who is that serious great and it, you can take very nice yeah. pictures normally with these fridges <laughs> um, right so but now we apply vitamin C to the skin why what should we look out look for what is the difference between different vitamin C's as far as, as, as applying them to the skin Yeah, well, the active form of vitamin C is L-ascorbic acid. So mm-hmm. I, would, I would look out for that because there are a lot of brands out there that use kind of a um, modified version of this uh, L-ascorbic acid. And uh, yeah, I mean, we do not have studies that show that these modified versions are actually or can be absorbed by our skin. Uh, so I would stay away from that stuff and I would look out for L-ascorbic acid. And also the con- uh, because you mentioned the concentrations, I, I, I'm pretty sure that um, most uh, potent concentrations or most um, effective concentrations are around uh, 5 to 20% uh, vitamin C. But uh, we have to mention that An, a high concentration means um, a bigger risk of irritation. So that's kind of, um, yeah, you, you have to, to figure that out for yourself. You have a, if you have a dry or a sensitive skin, a reactive skin, I would say you, you, would, you should go a little bit lower with the concentration uh, and see how, how that uh, works for you. Yeah, and you're 100% right. As a side note, uh, again, the, the main reason, the main, main, main reason we chose to ferment or to use a fermented form of resveratrol was for that purpose, the, the, the purpose of giving a high, 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 con- or not a high, high concentration, but the, the, a higher concentration with elimita- eliminating as much as possible that irritation factor and uh, making a formula that is more um, user-friendly. That's, um, that's interesting that you mention um, you use a fermented um, um, uh, resveratrol because uh, probiotics in skincare are, are also pretty in right now. Uh, so is, is your fermented, fermented resveratrol also kind of probiotic or do you have any so research yes, in that yes area? Yes and no. Okay. Um, the reason I'm, I'm saying yes and no because it is when it, when it is bottled up. But we have not, and we do use airless bottles, which mean that inside the bottle, there is no air when you, when you pump it out. Um, there is no air coming in and out and, and, and interacting with the material. Um, just a short explanation. So mm-hmm. technically speaking, yes. The problem is, and that is a problem with, with the entire trend of, of probiotics, um, it, is, it is inside the liquid. I mean, these probiotics, 
there is no studies showing that when it reaches your fancy fridge at your uh, at your uh, on your countertop or whatever that these probiotics have survived and are now active and can get uh, absorbed into the skin. You know, there was there there was some guy in the United States a few years ago that became a millionaire from selling um, air air fresheners with probiotics in them. So the fact that you're that something had probiotics when when you had it when you made it doesn't mean that you're going to get them in the end so uh, yeah, you know we really right. believe we really believe in 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 honesty and 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 uh and uh yeah honesty and and i think as yeah. far as the the minute we don't have a study about it, we don't want to claim it too much but that's only us yeah yeah but yeah i mean there there are some studies out there um that um are done with patients um who struggle with eczema um and they used a specific um probiotic strain to treat this eczema but this was um uh, in addition to topical topical classical eczema treatments and it, this was done under under very controlled um circumstances so these people were hospitalized these uh, probiotics were prepared there in the hospital so i guess we cannot compare the results to our probiotics at home uh, that we use at right. home yeah again um in any research you're getting serious people who are handling serious products um etc you the the no offense to USPS or whatever mailing service you use in, in, in Europe, it's not the same conditions. Uh, therefore, it's, I think it's a challenge. I think there, the time needs to pass and research needs to be done and, and then maybe we can revisit that. But as far as I'm concerned right now, it is, it is a little bit of, of a, um, of a uh, wishful thinking to... Uh, right. to uh, Say that there are probiotics within the uh, within the product, but there were when we made it. <laughs> uh, another thing, another thing that we use to support um, skin skin flora, aside from aside from the fermented resveratrol, is our 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 two things. First of all, is turmeric that we do have in in our product in our main product that is called Care, and another one is NAD. So both of them have shown have, have shown to support gut flora, which are the same research that that that, that have shown yeah. that probiotics support. So the, the heuristic there, the idea that it will support the skin mm -hmm. is maintained. And each one of them on their own are very beneficial to the skin, again on their own aside from from uh, yeah. the the uh, flora of the skin. So we have we have some kind of a support system there. Um, what we are again very concentrated in, as far as skincare is concerned, is really mitigating that genetical damage and activating th those genes that are responsible for your skin's beh behavior. Because really, we're looking at look all of our, all of our conversation. Obviously, my questions, but all of our conversations were, was really divided by age, right? Why is it divided by age? because we understand innately that our skin is less effective or any cell in our body is less effective as time goes on. And right, yep. yeah. 
and it, it is very interesting uh, sorry to interrupt you it's no, no, very no, interesting ahead. what you what you what you are telling um i mean the fact i mean we all have um genes that's right and we all have some potential cancerous genes and some some bad genes some genes for alzheimer or i i don't know some chronic diseases but or some aging some premature aging genes but like you mentioned these genes can be turned on and off and we can do this uh, of course through skincare but also through lifestyle and diet so diet stress stress management actually and um, sleep it play a huge role in modifying our the gene expression in our bodies Correct. So, so you know we've been talking and talking and it's been fun but we, it, we, it's been a, a, a very uh, interesting conversation but maybe shortly we can we can look at what are those lifestyle if you could really give a short do's and don'ts you know a short uh, list what are the main factors for skin health and anti-aging as far as as that goes yeah, so um, I will begin with the diet because that's really my favorite topic. So avoid, avoid, please avoid um, foods high in with a high glycemic index. Uh, that means processed, very processed foods like um, packaged foods. They are usually very processed like candy bars, crackers, like I mentioned, also um, white bread, white pasta, and sugars. So why, how is this? Uh, if we have a little bit more time, I would explain how, how is this glycemic index affecting our skin? So what happens is when we eat these foods, um, our blood sugar spikes and as a response to that blood sugar spike, our insulin level spike, spikes. So um, that, that phenomenon triggers a whole cascade of events that in turn trigger inflammation throughout our bodies and in our skins. So skin conditions like acne, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, they are worsened by these type of foods. They are, they are, I'm not saying that by eating, um, I don't know, a piece of cake, you will get acne. That is not what I'm saying because uh, the diet is not directly causing your acne, but it can make it way worse. So yeah, I think a good ex a good example would be: you will not get overweight, you will not be obese by stopping by one a McDonald's one time. That's not going to make you obese. Right. That, that, that's fine, but that decision contributes to a much larger pic larger picture. And if you would make that decision over and over and over again, that would accumulate. And am I correct to assume that that actually goes beyond acute conditions as just as a general rule as skin aging, the more healthy you are, right. the less inflammation, et cetera, the less okay. you will age and the less your skin would age. Yep, that, that is perfectly right. Um, and uh, beyond inflammation, these uh, sugar molecules or excess uh, sugar molecules that you have in your bloodstream when you eat a lot of these highly processed foods and sugars, 
uh, these molecules, they uh, can attach to your collagen and elastin um, in the skin in a process called uh, glycation. And um, as a result of this uh, glycation process, your collagen and your elastin fibers become kind of stiff and you lose um, this, that young plump feeling of your skin and that um, elasticity that we, we associate with young skin. Mm -hmm. So this so, also leads to premature aging. So what is your diet consists uh, of? Look how beautiful your skin looks. You know, I bet everyone Thank was, you. Was watching right now just wonders, okay, what is she eating? I want to eat exactly the same. Yeah, right. So I, I really try to stay away from, from anything that is processed. And I mm -hmm. stick to the basics. Um, leafy greens, a lot of them a lot of veggies, a lot of fruits, but there, I, I mean, fruits fruits are kind of controversial because they can be loaded with sugar. So just keep, in, keep that in mind. Uh, mm -hmm. You want to stick to fruits that are low in sugars like berries, for example, um, a lot of nuts and seeds because our skin is craving those good fats, a lot yes. of olive oil, um, and if you need carbs, if you absolutely necessarily need uh, those carbs, you can, you can get them from sweet potatoes, from whole grains like oats and quinoa and um, brown rice, for example. Yeah, Understood. That's, okay, so slower, slower digested carbs, more that's, complex that's carbs. That's right, right. And uh, another thing thing that I love and that is very, very important for your gut health. And uh, we are here again at um, um, gut skin axis, um, uh, now, uh, really a very important topic. So um, I love probiotic foods um, like um, kefir, for example, mm -hmm. Greek yogurt, uh, kimchi, um, and I, I guess pickles are also high in probiotics, if you love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and you're now in Germany, so sauerkraut is everywhere. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, sauerkraut is also very good. But I would pay attention there because um, some of these products do contain a lot of added sugars. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just, just pick your products um, the right way. Take. 30 seconds or one minute to read that label or yeah and be sure that your products your products do not contain added sugar fantastic and what about so the last you know pillar that you've mentioned in the beginning and we're going to get back to it in the end is sleep so why is sleep so important i know that is a question only someone who doesn't get a lot of sleep would ask but why sleep so important? <laughs> and then what do you pay attention as far as sleep quality? Yeah, uh, well, what happens is that uh, when we, we uh, lack sleep or if we had um, a few nights of bad sleep, what happens is that our body registers um, this uh, bad sleep as um, stress. So we get a stress response that uh, leads to high levels of cortisol and cortisol is the main stress hormone in our bodies. And these uh, high levels of cortisol lead again to inflammation. So mm -hmm. we are 
full circle. We are back to inflammation. Yeah, so that of course in turn affects our skin, skin's appearance and um, can exacerbate again those inflammatory skin conditions like acne and eczema. Understood. So if to summarize it, we basically, uh, you know, if we look at skin health as a whole, uh, as far as you're concerned, we really look at a, a simple uh, skincare routine, concentrating on um, on good ingredients, on the correct ingredients, and then you know supporting it with the right lifestyle choices as far as nutrition goes and as far as um, sleep goes. Do you do you are there any supplements that you are taking that that affects your affect your skin or any other thing that you can share with us like a small trick that you have anything yeah um of course the basics um you you have to pay attention to the basics like we've mentioned diet uh, sleep and stress management uh, for mm -hmm. stress management i i do love uh, doing some yoga uh, meditating and um, box breathing if you do not have mm -hmm. that much time i mean you always have 10 seconds to do some box breathing and that is really calming your your nervous system instantly so i love that one that's kind of my my trick when i'm in a when i have a very hectic and busy day and uh, I do take uh, supplements because um, uh, right now, because of my lifestyle, I do not um, always have the time to eat all my meals. Uh, so, yeah, it's I'm, I'm not a perfect, um, perfect example. I do my best, but I'm not perfect. So I do take some supplements, um, a multivitamin, um, mm -hmm. some uh, zinc because I, I, that's also a big one, especially if you, you produce a lot of oil that kind of helps a lot, uh, a little bit, or for some people, a lot, it depends on how you respond to it uh, with that sebum or oil production in your, in your oil plants. Um, I also take some probiotics uh, for, for a better gut health and um, uh, some magnesium or and, um, potassium because I do, I do kind of uh, train a lot. It's also uh -huh. um, a stress management tool for me. So yeah, um, that helps a little bit uh, with muscle, muscle recovery on, and all that uh, can write the stuff. A small question about zinc. Uh, do you make sure that you take it together with quercetin? Or is it something that, that, that you don't pay attention to? Uh, no, I, I do not pay attention to that, but that's, that's an interesting point you, you've mentioned because, uh, yeah, I mean, the absorption of zinc is uh, sometimes um, a little bit of controversial, but um, I, I do not take it with any, anything else. It's just a plain zinc supplement. Okay. Um, I do take uh, 10 milligrams uh, per day. So, okay. yeah. Christina, I think the best thing someone can do, uh, and I'm I'm not even trying to be nice. This is a truth, is to follow you on Instagram, because the amount of knowledge that is that is there, it's almost like going through a mini dermatological medical school. It's 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 really all all you need to know is already there. Uh, so I would really 
you know, recommend everyone to, to follow you and check in, uh, check their, your progress and what you're posting very, uh, very uh, religiously. Are you mainly on Instagram? That is, that is where, I, where I reached out and where I saw your material. But are you, is there another uh, social network where you blog or is that the main one? Uh, that is the main one at the moment, but um, I really, really hope to expand uh, my social media um, accounts and activities soon. Um, actually, as soon as um, I'm graduating, because then I will have a little bit more time for, uh, for social media, I guess. Great. And I really hope, Christina, I really hope we can, we can make a habit of this talk, because I feel like what we did here is just is just uh, get it, getting it started. It's just like uh, the appetizer. I would really love to. Yeah, it would. I would really, really love to. It was. It was really fun to talk with you, and it's. Um, yeah, it's a, a very, very interesting exchange of information. I love it. Amazing. Thank you again, Christina, and um, we will follow up with content uh, for that podcast, which I would. Uh, I would love your help with, I'll, I'll, I'll email you about it. And uh, yeah, check, up, check, uh, check us out soon uh, for more content. And uh, thank you very much, Christina. Thank you for having me and um, yeah, stay safe. And um, I wish you all the best. Thank you. That's the most important. Right. All right, take care.